Welcome to the show. It's drive time. I'm Shafiq Morton. Asalaamu Alaikum. And guess what? It's Monday. Coming up, International Women's Day. So what is the question? Ace Marushuli urges ANC MPs not to vote against the public protector to be expected. And after five, Saudi-led coalition launches an air raid against the Houthi movement, sports rap, and a class action against Uber. Hang around. Drive time on 91.3. Always on the cutting edge. Voice of the Cape Drive Time, welcome back to the show. 0829-913-913 is the WhatsApp line. Query, comment and criticize. Today marks International Women's Day. But in South Africa, however, as we all know, many women not only have to deal with the specter of gender-based violence, or GBV for short, but also the impact of the COVID pandemic. So the question, is Women's Daily merely the reminder of the daily injustices that women go through and that we report on day after day, month after month, and year after year? Online is Director of Programs at the Institute for Healing of Memories, Fatima Swat, and Lecturer in Gender Politics at Stellenbosch University, Professor Amanda Hoss. Fatima and Professor Hoss, welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Fatima, I'm going to start off with you on this issue. When I introduced the show, I said International Women's Day, so what, question mark, because there are just so many days and unfortunately so little action and sometimes I think so little awareness. Are these days achieving anything? Yeah, interesting point to start because I always think when I talk, think about International Women's Day and where it started in 1909, um, uh, in, in February I think it was, and then it changed two years later, that since then women have made great advances, you know. I think on a day-to-day basis it looks very small, but over a span of time, so when International Women's Day started, uh, most of the women in America and around the world did not have the vote. Um, there was lots of issues around workers' rights and so forth and so on. Obviously, always the improvements and the move towards equality is not quite as fast and as quick as we like. But since the, it started into, in 1909, there has been quite a bit of, um, I would say, changes in the conditions of women. But as things change also for the better, other things become worse. And I think particularly, as you mentioned, the, the, um, the consistent attack on the bodies of women, um, the psyches of women, the psycholo- psychological impact of um of patriarchy on women. It has been consistent throughout all these times and have also maybe um, taken on new forms of cruelty. Um, so I think on one level we see advances being made and on another level you have um, new challenges for women coming up. So I like to think of it not all in a, um, in a negative uh, light. But I think it gives us that women have power and women have moved 
the struggle forward decade by decade. Professor Amanda Khos, do you agree with Fatima's uh, perceptions? Because uh, I put a question mark after all of it because um, every day we're covering uh, GBV and every year we have these days, but it's almost like, okay, remember for a day and forget the next day. Well, this is International Women's Day that is a bit different from National Women's Day, which is on the 9th of August. Um, I agree with Fatima. If you take the over the long haul, big strides have been made for women. And I think the, the gender-based violence that we see is also a, a, a consequence of women's uh, success in, in many ways. Um, but I also want to say that uh, apart from it being International Women's Day, this year is 25 years since we have accepted the Beijing Platform for Action. So it's also a celebration of 25 years, and I think the question that needs to be asked is, did we actually manage to implement uh, the, the platform, and there are 12 critical areas in the platform, of which uh, some we have done well. I think if we look globally, the implementation of quotas for women. South Africa have got a 50% quota. Uh, we've done well in, in uh, certain measures of women's empowerment and so on. But the place that we really fail is the gender-based violence. And, and I think um, it, it's globally become a much bigger problem and, and the brutality of the violence has also become more serious. And unfortunately, as long as we have the violence, it undermines all the other goals that we set for women's advancement. So, so I'm, I'm not so negative, but I think that the, the violence is really something that we should deeply concern ourselves about. I mean, Fatima, I mean, what is interesting is that um, only in the 1960s, for example, were French women allowed to vote. Uh, which is mm-hmm. quite shocking when one thinks about it. Uh, that little fact always seems to be hidden um, sort of under the blanket or under the carpet, as it were. When you say that, relatively speaking, women have come a long way, and yes, I think everybody would agree, especially since the advent of the Constitution and other developments. So where would you reckon we really need to start focusing? Professor Khosis ring-fenced GBV. I think uh, everybody has is ring-fencing that one at the moment, but how do we crack it? Well, I think there's GBV, but I also think part of the complexity of GBV is a backlash against women um, in terms of our challenging patriarchy in the way in which we do, and the power that men have always had and held sway over women. And I think part of that is a, a re, an unlearning of behavior, both of women and men, in, in relation to this, in terms of how we exercise our power, uh, men exercise what they perceive to be their power over, over women, and how women engage in relationships um, with, with that kind of power in terms of building a new equitable society. I think GBV is one, and uh, it's really important because we, we're also looking at the next generation of, of girl children who are being exposed to it and who are being socialized into it and who's being normalized into it. And I think the other question for me is that so many women are in the marketplace and, and is working and is earning money, and still there is this great disparity. Um, we, we ask women to 
to participate within the economy and so on. But at the end of the day, there is no equality really still in terms of what the earning power is of women um, as, as to men and in taking up the leadership positions in terms of that and in recognizing the, um, the strength with what women come into us and making space for the lives that women live in terms of rearing children, bearing children, and all kinds of other things. So I think the, um, one can't actually divorce the one from the other because of the, I think they impact on one another. But our big challenge is to, to find ways in which we can consistently and intentionally dismantle um, patriarchy, um, both within men and women, so that we can build an equal society. Professor Khos, I mean, patriarchy... Uh, seems to be as subliminal as embedded racism. Uh, You make the salads kind of mentality. I mean, what are your feelings about that, that it still is very strongly evident? Well, I think patriarchy has become a very wide concept that has a lot of meanings, but you know, what it means is male domination, and, and most societies, including the South African society, is male dominated. So, so if we say we want to dismantle patriarchy, we have to start with the perceptions and the um, attitudes that people hold. And these are deeply socialized um, around what people think uh, women's roles should be and what men's roles should be. Um, and if women step out of those roles, there's very often uh, a backlash against them. And, and they are disciplined in, in many ways, not only physically, but through um, the way that they are often silenced, the way that they are not taken seriously. Um, and so, you know, if we look at, for example, uh, Parliament as a, as a structure that's very male-dominated, even though we have 46% women in Parliament, um, their ability to make uh, uh, inputs into a lot of uh, legislation um, is difficult, and, you know, sometimes I think they also don't do enough, the women themselves. But it's it's hard to negotiate a, a, a male-dominated institutional culture. And so it's not only in, in, in politics, but it's in workplaces. Um, it We've, we've seen, uh, you know, how... Uh, Care work is considered women's work, especially during the pandemic. You know, care work is unpaid and, and it's elastic when it comes to women. So, you know, working and then being at home with homeschooling children, cleaning houses and doing some people have uh, formal jobs. So that very um, exponential increase of care work is also because men very often don't think that they need to do care work and emotional labor. So, so Patriarchy structures societies and how we think about men and women in those societies, and it's got a lot to do with um, with perceptions and attitudes. And as long as we don't change those attitudes, you know, the, the way we raise boys and girls, um, a lot of gender-based violence come down to very often what we call rape myths, and those are stereotypical ideas about women's sexuality. So if somebody was wearing a short skirt, she was looking for it. If she was... She had a drink just like a man has a drink she she was looking for uh, to be be assaulted um, so, so those ideas about women's sexuality it, it's built on stereotypes 
And that stereotype is, is, is deeply embedded in, in patriarchal culture. Fatima, to, to get back to you um, on the questions of the so-called patriarchal culture, what we are seeing more and more frequently in the job market, market for example, is that women are tending to, to get more jobs than men. How do we reconscientize ourselves into this particular aspect where uh, a man like not working is actually used as an excuse for GBV that is feeling emasculated or something. How do we tackle this problem? Yes, that's a very interesting question because it's something that the Institute has been grappling with and I want to agree with professors that a lot of it is about how do we change attitudes and perceptions about what life is, should be like and, and how we've been socialized. So, for instance, on Wednesday, we're starting a training um, just for men to look at how men can support men to get them to not beat up on women and children. Um, and there is a psychology around it, you know. And there is no, and I think the one thing that we do, we are very careful to, is not to um, simplify it, oversimplify it. Because I think human beings are complex. But what we do need to do is we need to say, yes, this does happen. But at the end of the day, we all need to take, um, be held accountable for our actions. Irrespective of what brought us now, we have to be held accountable. And, um, and I think that is very important. We have, and I think some people say call, calling men out, but that is part of it. But also within the job market, it is that... Um, because uh, men can, and particularly within the NGO field as well, as, and as you said, in the care industry, that women can get paid, uh, can get paid less, you know. So instead of taking a, 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 a male, you take a woman because you can. And you can actually get, um, can be more productive because, I mean, studies have shown the work ethic um, or the approach of women is slightly different, particularly within in the NGO field than, than men, because they are more more likely to do go the extra mile in terms of giving um, of their time and their energy. But also from the institute side, I mean, we do a lot of uh, both with women and in our communities in uh, doing what we would call popular education. And part of that popular education is addressing the stereotypes that we have around what uh, what we perceive to be roles of men or what masculinity should look like and why people are not in touch with the feminine side or what is the important role that um, the feminine plays. And when I'm talking about this, yeah, I'm talking about feminine not just in terms of women, but in attributes that we have as human beings, you know, and therefore the role of, of women also in terms of that. So I think in the workplace, one has to be very vigilant for the exploitation of, of, of women in particular, particular sectors of, of, of industries and workplaces. I think in the Western Cape on the factory floor, Mostly women, usually exploited for their labor. Even if you go to people working in, on farms, women on farms, lots of women working in that 
in that sector, of course, hugely underpaid. So I think it is incumbent on all of us to raise those issues, to um, influence policy, and to, as they say, you know, put up your hand and be the change, be the change. That is all that we can we can work towards. Um, but we need to re-educate people. No, absolutely. Professor Ghos, would you say that... Um the the working space, our, our final minute, is the big space right now in terms of understanding where women stand in society. Well, I think the workplace is, is one of the places uh, where we struggled for equality for a long time, and in certain sectors it's better than others. But I won't, um, you know, keep it to the workplace. I do think the, what we call the private sphere of the home is very important because this is where women have very often less power in relation to, to the husbands, where there is often uh, violence involved in the relationship and so on. So if we turn a blind eye to the, the private uh, sphere of the home, then we lose sight of those women who may not work and do not have access in the workplace to to changes that are brought through either um, institutional regulations or, or legislation um, and so on. So, so I think the workspace and the home space are both equally important. Fatima Swat, a Director of Programs at the Institute for Healing of Memories and Professor Amanda Ghos, um, Lecturer in Gender Politics at Stellenbosch University. Thank you for joining us on International yeah. Women's Day. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.